0: Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, like always, before, before we begin, I want to thank a couple of people. Uh, first of all, I want to thank my anchor sponsors. I want to thank my friends Sergio and Jake. Thank you guys for sponsoring the podcast. Also, want to thank David Gasselem. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home in the Imperial or San Diego counties, make sure you contact David Gasselem. His phone number is 235 760 235 9576. He's not only a realtor, but an investor with over 20 years of experience. And he'll guide you through one of the most important purchases of your life, you know, buying a home. So yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for f- sponsoring the podcast. I also want to thank, um, everybody out there in the front lines, you know, everybody that's working at every, you know, doctor, nurse, uh, truck drivers, police officers, firefighters, a- anybody out there that's, you know, uh, labeled as an essential worker. Thank you guys for, you know, doing what you do. Um, and I want to remind everybody to, you know, if you're out in public, make sure you're wearing a mask. Um and uh, you know, it's not only for your safety but everybody else's. So um yeah. Uh today's guest is a um the current president for the Board of Supervisors for the Imperial County. My guest today is Mr. Luis Blancarte. Thank you for thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, well, most of the times when I have, uh, a, a guest, I like to invite them to, you know, tell us a little bit about themselves. Um, I know you're a longtime resident of the Imperial Valley. Um, uh, I believe you were a cop here in Calexico. Am I, am I correct?
1: Uh, I did work for the Calexico Police Department, uh, back in the, uh, late seventies. Uh, they, mid to late seventies, they, uh, they had an explorer program, a police explorer program, which is a variation of the Boy Scouts. Uh, but what you do with explorers, you begin to explore careers. Mm. And uh, they have explorers for aeronautics, law enforcement, fire departments, all kinds of like career based type programs, something in the early days, like, let's say ROP would do today. Yeah, And uh, I met a couple of officers that responded to a fight and uh, they invited me to attend. Two brothers, Ernie and Ray Mireles, for those at Calexico that knew them. They invited me to join their Explorer program and then they began to teach me. I was probably 15 at the time. And, uh, you know, I attribute that uh, to part of my formation uh, because then eventually I went into Calexico uh, as a traffic controller, then a dispatcher, then I did community uh, downtown policing when. Officers actually used to walk the beat. Um, I think back in that time, the uh, pay was probably subsidized by the Chamber of Commerce or business owners' association. And then uh, after about twenty-three months, almost two years, I, I left to do other things.
0: Okay, um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got into, well, I guess, I mean, politics or you know, being a an elected official.
1: Sure. So let me back up by saying that, you know, I, I am uh, a child of immigrant parents, right, that came to the border uh, from Michoacan. And their goal originally, as, as they told us, was to be here for about five years, get some money, and then go back to Michoacan. And my mom wanted to buy some sewing machines and, you know, open her little tallercito. And my dad wanted to open a bar. Uh, so they came in. My dad got started in the bracero program. And then uh, my mom uh, and him were petitioned uh, to work in the U.S. by a doctor. Uh, my mom would take care of the housekeeping and the children for the doctor. And my dad would take care of a farm that he had, Dr. Klein. As they saw uh, the quality of life that was available here, they began to change their thought process a little bit about going back. Um, they also saw that uh, Dr. Klein at that time uh, was member of the Lions Club and the Rotarian, and they also saw what community service uh, would do. Uh, my family being very active with the Catholic Church, as we were raised, we were always taught uh, to do something for the community. And I, I, I take my uh, service uh, habits, my helping habits, Uh, Back to, you know, to my parents in those early days, some of the things that they instilled in us. Eventually, I, uh, you know, I became a member of of different groups and helping. One day I met a gentleman by the name of uh, Mr. Jack Terrazas in El Centro. And Jack was talking to a group about some of the things he was doing with the city of El Centro and projects that were coming up. And I was fascinated. I was probably 22, maybe 23 years old. And uh, after his presentation, I approached him and I said, so how do I study or how do I do what you do? And he says, and at that time, uh, he was talking about the El Centro Planning Commission. Um, and, uh, and he says, well, you know, you get it through practice and learning and there's seminars and there's things they can do. Uh, if you're in the construction industry, you know about planning and stuff like that. But if you don't, uh, you know, you can learn as as you go. And so he said, if you want to, next time there's an opening, I'll let you know. So time went on. I didn't think much about it. Uh, unbeknownst to me, Mr. Terrazas ran for El Centro City Council and was selected. And as a council member, you cannot serve on on that commission, right? Because any decision that commission makes, um, the city council has to approve it or decline it. So you can't do both sides of it. So he looked me up and he appointed me and that's kind of where I got started. Uh, I got started with a planning commission. I served there for many, many years, many years as a chairman. And eventually, uh, because of scheduling, I was doing some schooling in San Diego where I had to go on the nights where they were met. Uh, as I decided to step down, I was asked to serve in the personnel appeals board. And that's primarily for law enforcement, uh, for fire, dep- uh, firefighters, uh, when, uh, they are reprimanded in writing or there's a negative action on their behalf, there's an appeal process which they can follow. Um, and so I served on that board for, for many years. Uh, and that's kind of where I got, uh, got started by appointment, uh, versus running for election. Uh, over the years, I, I have served on the uh, board uh, of uh, chambers of commerce in El Centro and Brawley, uh, boys and girls clubs, uh, numerous clubs that I've served over the years. All focused towards service, service, service. Eventually, um, I, uh, you know, I talked to my family many, many years ago, saying that someday I'd like to uh, run for. Uh, probably city council in El Centro. And uh, uh, time went on, but I was raising children. You know, I was the uh, 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 the typical Little League uh, coach parent that probably my kids knew more about Little League than I did, but I wanted to be there for them, uh, reinforcing my, uh, my daughter through gymnastics, through swimming. And so I kind of left most of that, thought about elected type of service off to a site. Uh, and so I did community work by coaching, by working with leagues and stuff like that, Babe Ruth and so on. Um, eventually, well, my youngest daughter will turn 24 tomorrow. Um, and a few years ago, uh, I received a call from Mr. Terrazas, uh, letting me know that he had decided to not run for another term for various reasons. And so that kind of changed my perspective and my timeline a little bit. Uh, I had kind of thought about running for El Central City Council and then doing that for a while and then going for, uh, for supervisor. When Mr. Terrazas announced that he was retiring, I had to make a decision. And after consultation with my family and other responsibilities that I had, uh, you know, I got the green light and the nod and the go ahead and, and, and I decided to, to have a, a go at it. Uh, probably four years before uh, I thought that I would, Uh, and so I did. And so here we are on three years uh, and, say, seven months into my first term. Uh, In March, there was a primary election where there was only two of us that ran. And so when there's, say, an election with two candidates, it's uh, the most votes wins, right, versus three candidates or more where the two top voters go, that being for IIB uh, type races or county type races. Uh, city races are a little bit different. Some of the other school boards are a little bit different. But uh, here we are finishing off uh, my first term uh, and looking forward to the term that starts January first. Um.
0: So, and you you're going to have to re- uh, get reelected if you if you want to continue.
1: No, I was already reelected in March of this year on the election. I was reelected for another four years uh, to begin uh, January 1st, 2021.
0: Okay. So this is going to be yours.
1: So right now I've been elected to serve through the end of 2024, uh, which at that time it would put me uh, at about 62 years of age. Uh, Right now I'm 58.
0: Um. Going back to, you know, you deciding or you even thinking about, you know, running for public office and all these things. Um, did you ever think that you would be, you know, an elected official during times like this where, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic? Um, you know, our economy is tr- struggling and, um, you're having to make these really tough decisions. Like, did it ever cross your mind? Like,
1: well, not in a pandemic type way, uh, but let me tell you where it have it has crossed my mind uh, before, uh, when we had uh, the big earthquake, the Easter Sunday earthquake. I thought a lot about uh, what our community leaders and our our community back then. Uh, I was not thinking in the words first responder or essential workers. Right, that's something that uh, that's relatively new. But I was thinking, how do all all these people, uh, you know, rise to the occasion? Um, I I thought about it also when there was the unfortunate uh, loss of life of the shooting in San Bernardino County. Uh, How do you as an elected official deal with the people's security, uh, with uh, broken families, with the loss? What can you do? unfortunately you can't do anything to change it okay but you can do uh, a lot to minimize it and help people work with it and deal with it um there's nothing i can do right now like genie or aladdin to wiggle something and make corona go away but there's definitely things so uh, one of the things that i did do uh when i got elected um, i kind of started writing myself a a little journal of things that, if something happened, what would be some of the things that you need to do, and that people would, you know, potentially do uh, in in a place uh, of emergency. And some of those have come in very handy now. Uh, potentially, the uh, decision tree process, right? There's decision trees that we take uh, regardless of what the emergency is. And, and, you know, if it's this, you go this way. If it's the answer no, you go that way. And so that, that has come in very handy. Uh, you know, I thought uh, last year with the ransomware uh, virus that the county was, uh, was hit, uh, I thought that was pretty massive. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I never even considered another type of virus other than that. Mm. But, you know, here we are. Um, I do believe in, uh, I'm a a man of faith, and, uh, you know, I also believe that we all have a certain destiny, and there's a reason why I was supposed to be here at this time, and, uh, you know, our our goal today is to move our community as unscathed as possible, uh, and as healthy as possible, and, and making them come out on the other side as whole as possible. On many, many different levels
0: mm-hmm. um when you guys um you know were in the process of seeing how we or what stage you know you would place the the county in um there was a lot of backlash in in, in you know in the in the way you know you decided as to where we would go, you know especially when it came to uh businesses you know to remain open to close. Um, how did you guys come to the uh, consensus of, you know, this is where we're going um, and and, um, you know, we're going to keep these business, businesses open um, or not open or, you know, how did you guys come to the, that decision?
1: Yeah. So let me start by saying that, you know, number one and foremost, um, and I think my other fellow supervisors agree with me that this is a health emergency, right? This is a health crisis. Uh, Unfortunately, it's creating an emotional crisis, a financial crisis, uh, a family crisis. It is causing a whole bunch of other unintended consequences that affect people in different ways uh, at different levels. Right? Uh, But foremost, I think that uh, it's been very, very clear to us that we have treated this all along as a health emergency as a medical emergency. And then our decisions will flow from that. So let's talk a little bit about when we, and and, and the outlash that you uh, allude to uh, came about when we as the Board of Supervisors asked the governor to consider moving the state as a whole um, to a higher level while giving us, the Board of Supervisors, the ongoing latitude to further restrict uh, our community. So the way it works is if at the federal level, if the federal government says you cannot do this, this and this, then it's a federal law. But you as a state of California can even make tighter laws than that. So as an example, if the federal government said no meetings of more than a 100 people in the state said, no, 50 people, you can do that, right? You can make stricter rules. Well, at the county, you could say not 50, but 25 or 10 or five. So you can always make them safer, which I think there's a proven track record that we have. Because for example, when the state of California moved um, the entire state to level one uh, or, or level two low risk, Imperial County, we unanimously decided as a Board of Supervisors to keep uh, the county with the shelter-at-home orders. We did not lift that. we kept those in place, and that was in consultation with our health department, with uh, Miss Janet Angulo, which is the director, with Doctor Monday, uh, which is uh, a wealth of information when it comes to. And and I, you know, I am relying very very heavily. On the medical uh, on the medical people um, as, as I, I, I suspect my fellow supervisors are as well. Additionally, when the state of California said no face covering is any longer required, Imperial County, we said no, 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 you will require we will require it in Imperial County. And our thought at that time was that because we are surrounded by San Diego County, Riverside County, Yuma County and Mexicali, and they had different levels of protection that were lower than we were, we were going to have difficulty with our, uh, you know, with our residents and and we really needed them to protect. So I think there's a proven track record that although we were asking the governor to go a little bit higher on the state, uh, we are making the appropriate Changes here. So, what were some of those changes that we were looking to do? One of the things that we really wanted to do at that time uh, was the consideration of uh, curbside uh, for small businesses, right? For non-essential businesses, whether you wanted to go to a bookstore or you wanted to go to, um, you name it, the store, you could pick your stuff up at the door. At that time, those things were were closed. Okay. Uh, and so one of the concerns that I know we discussed uh, as a group is once Yuma began to open restaurants, once San Diego began to open restaurants, Riverside, um, our residents who are currently working uh, and have the income to do so uh, began to go dine in Yuma, began to go dine in Riverside, in, in Palm Desert, in Coachella, in San Diego where there was no requirements for cover. And so we thought if we can open restaurants here to some limited amount, limited amount of seating, and keep some of those uh, residents here from going out where we know that they're only gonna take their mask to eat. And then they have to put it on when they go back in public because that's a requirement in Imperial County uh, versus you go to other, other areas and it's not perhaps we can keep a larger number of our citizens healthier um, on the health side, but we also can keep our workforce uh, going by helping our business owners, right? And that's a big uh, misstatement that some of the uh, people who will post that move uh, had as they were taking on um, a view That perhaps our decision was driven by business owners. But I would like for you to think of a restaurant, a local restaurant, whether it's a Mexican style food restaurant, you know, burritos, whatever you want to talk about. A lot of times we're thinking of the business owner, right? And I've even had people talk to me about the greedy business owners. But what people don't understand is that once you shut down that restaurant, the cooks go home, the dishwashers go home the waiters, um, the waitresses, the busboys, um, the people that drive the semi-truck that bring the food and the produce that, that that restaurant is gonna serve, all that, those people are not working. And that brings another level of lack of health. That brings financial uh, unhealthiness to the community. Uh, it also brings a lot of issues with emotional strain For those people at home that are trying to figure out they've used their $1,200 stimulus check. Tomorrow is the last day that people will get those extra $600 on their unemployment. Those people are asking, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to feed my child? Uh, How am I going to, you know, move forward? And that's another side of the coin that as a board of supervisors, we have to look at the health. We have to look at the financial health. You know, do I want to kill you financially or do I want to kill you health-wise, physically? If your business goes under, I can recover that. If you die and you go under, I can't recover that. So our decisions have always been uh, focused uh, primarily on uh, on the health of the community.
0: Um when the um, you know the state the state sent some some people down from you know from sacramento to to the valley when you know it was early when you know we started getting a lot of cases um how did you know what recommendations did they make and how did you you guys change your you know your decisions that process
1: so the people that the state sent were at our request not at their request there was not an enforcement or anything like that and what we did is we reached out to the state and to the federal government and we said we need help with testing we don't have enough testing we need help with tracking with tracing we need help for our hospitals right the hospital system uh in the state of california does not report to the counties right the hospital system reports to the state of california And so, we were hearing from both hospitals how they were having difficulty taking in more patients. So we started reaching out to the state of California saying, we need some resources. We need some help. Now I must tell you that they have been very, very responsive. Um, They have had people from the National Guard come and help. They have sent doctors from the uh, armed forces. Um, they were able to give us the uh, facility at IBC uh, to help people recover, so that we could move people uh, out of beds at the hospital that were already in the recovery mode, and perhaps a less uh, a lesser degree of care was needed for them, and so they could go to recover uh, and convalesce uh, at IBC for the rest of their days. Uh, they, uh, you know, we, we were having difficulty with supplies for the uh, testing equipment, for the, uh, for the testes. And we, we were actually having people drive to the uh, county lab in uh, San Diego or the state lab in San Diego. Every day to take, um, you know, the, the samples for the testing so they could bring them back the next day. Uh, because with the equipment that we had at the county, we were having difficulty getting the basic uh, uh, materials to do the testing. And by all means, this is not specific to Imperial County, right? Part of the problem there and, and some of the issues that we were having is when we had the earthquake here, the rest of the state did not have the earthquake. So they could send us supplies. They could send us additional help, firefighters, ambulances, rescue units, the American Red Cross could send additional. There, You pull your resources from the state. When the Paradise fires happened, there was no fire here. So what did we do? The county sends a strike team, right, a fire engine with three firefighters. So does the city of Calexico, so does Yuma, so does Brawley. Everybody sends help. But what happens when the incident that's happening is attacking everybody? Everybody then needs the resources. And that's what's happening uh, to us and, and why some of those uh, testing kits were not available. So we reached out to the state today. Uh, we are able to do testing in Calexico, uh, in Imperial, in Brawley. And it's open to the community. If uh, you have no insurance, of no way of you know, you still get tested. And that way we're able to do the, the uh testing to our community. Right now, we've done close to 47, maybe 48,000 tests. Um, if you take into consideration that our community uh, has 180,000 people at the last census, um, you know, that's about 25% of our community has been tested, um, thanks to the help from the state of California. And so, uh, you know, they every time that we have called and asked for help, they have found a way. When we were looking for PPE, uh, you know, they, they were able to send us PPE. Uh, more recently, we started talking to them about so how some of our farm workers uh, are not able to provide for their own PPE. So through our County Act Commissioner, um, you know, he was able to get about 800,000 uh, face coverings or, or masks. Um, of which he and his team uh, and other organizations that he has worked with so far have passed out 480,000, almost 500,000 masks or face covers um, to farm workers, farm labor, uh, bus drivers, tractor drivers, irrigators, uh, truck drivers that are riding, you know, driving the produce, packing sheds that are standing shoulder by shoulder or shoulder to shoulder. Um, that was a literal Spanish translation in my brain. I apologize. Yeah. By shoulder. Uh, the, uh, and so every time that we have asked the state for help, uh, we've been able to get it. They have been instrumental in our recovery, and I am very thankful to them for that. The conversation that we did have was when we um, our numbers began to climb. The state of California reached out to us and said, Uh, what can you do uh, to fine tune this to either flatten it out or keep it from climbing as high, right? Um, And so we did. There was very few changes because we were still at stage one ourselves and we were requiring the stay at home orders when the rest of the state was not. And the uh, face covering, the only thing we had to offer where we thought may make some difference there uh, was a few things. Number one, uh, we began to shut down the playgrounds in county parks, right? Parks like Sunbing Lake and stuff like that, uh, where there are uh, sports that go on. And of course, as you can imagine, uh, the level of exertion that you are taking is gonna cause you to breathe harder to push that air further out and, and, you know, we, we have seen that as a, a potential era, area. The other thing we did is we, uh, small businesses that were non-essential businesses that were open for retail. Uh, we went ahead and backed them out to curbside only. And last but not least, uh, congregations, religious congregations that, uh, were able to, and this was per state requirement or state step, uh, step too low, um, they could either congregate at up to 25% of their capacity, but no more than a hundred people, or they could congregate on the outside. So what we did locally, or what we did ourselves is we went ahead and took off the ability, or took away the ability to congregate inside. So congregating inside for churches, park playgrounds and sports fields and stuff like that that were in county areas and curbside business are the three things that we submitted to the governor saying short of, you know, we still have the shelter at home, only go out for essential, uh, essential, uh, you know, requirements to buy your groceries to the doctor to go to work and the face covering. And, and, you know, he saw that there was not much meat on the bone there that we could cut from. And that's what we offered and they accepted it. And, you know, they, uh, they actually gave us kudos for finding ways to,
0: to improve. Yeah, yeah. You guys are, uh, I, I remember him, Um, you know, giving you guys props for, for the changes you guys are making. Um, You know, before, even before uh, the soap pandemic, you know, people in, um, you know, like you like in the board of supervisors or, or, or a city council know how, uh, how much the lack of resources we have in the Valley um, and how much, you know, you know, We've, we've we've been on on the national news because of our unemployment rate and and um now that you know this pandemic happened you know it kind of like put us even more in the national spotlight where you know uh we're primarily la- Latinos who are you know more prone to catch the virus uh, we're we're more of a I guess you can call it like blue collar people who are you know living paycheck to, paycheck to paycheck who are you know have this need to to work that aren't don't have that uh that luxury of staying home and, and not working or working from home you know a lot of the population here is either working in the fields uh just pe- even people in, in in you know the people that work in prisons or you know people that work in in, in the border you know all these people like they need to show up to work because you know they're essential to whether it's, you know, safety or whether because they need to put food on their on their plates. Um, How does you know what can the state do to help us or how can our elected officials, you know, keep shining the spotlight on the valley to make sure that, you know, if this happens again, you know, we're not as vulnerable as we are and, you know, continue to get sick or, or, you know, yeah, this happened again.
1: Yeah. So I think I understand that just of your question. And the reality is that, you know, this pandemic and something like this, nobody was ready for it. Whether you're as affluent as New York, and we saw what Governor Cuomo was going through, trying to keep his state, uh, you know, healthy, uh, or whether you're an area like us, this this particular one is one for the books. It has affected every industry, every community, everybody in one way or another. Uh, as far as the county, we, uh, so we as the county continue to uh, to look for ways to bring funding to the community. Um, I don't think that a lot of people understand how a county gets money and distributes money, right? Because one of the primary purposes of the county is to provide services for the community at large. So, Imperial County, and and I'm going to round off the numbers just so that it's easier for our conversation. But Imperial County has about a $500 million budget. Okay. So, it's about a half a billion dollar corporation. Of that, uh, about $220 million uh, come to the county from what is considered, to what is considered general fund. Those are monies that come from property taxes, sale taxes, fees, stuff like that. That is what we use for uh, police, uh, like sheriffs, jails, uh, firefighters, uh, general services that are offered, and a whole slew of services that are offered, you know, to the community. But of that five hundred dollar, uh, five hundred million dollar budget. There's about $280 million, which we uh, are contracting uh, either through the state or to the federal government to provide those social services, to provide those behavioral health services, to bring services to the community um, as a large, as a whole, that, that are not there. So, although I run the Sheriff's Office for the Unincorporated Areas, Every police department every city runs their police department every city runs their uh, their fire department but when it comes time to some of those uh, human services right um, whether it's the jails for every police department in in, in, the, in in the county when they take somebody into custody they go end up at a county jail for detention we have to meet them we have to Uh, you know, put them through the court process. Um, So if you notice, $280 million are being brought in to provide services for the community. We are always, always, always looking for more grants. The problem is that there is never enough money to 100% subsidize the needs that our community has. There are those groups that say, you should do public housing, right, so that people that can't pay for housing stay there. And my question is, so who pays for it? Who pays for the electricity? Who pays for the water? Who pays for the sheets and the linen and for the food that they are going to? And so um, as a uh, a reachable solution, uh, it's not an all-inclusive solution. It's it's something that you can do a lot towards getting there, a lot towards helping people, but we will never be able to crack completely that that uh, you know those those social problems. Uh, they are existent in L.A., they're existent in New York, they're existing everywhere. But where we can, that's where we bring in, for example, right now with nylon. You see that there was a fire where all these uh, residences or dwellings were lost, whether they were uh, buildings or whether they were uh, mobile type residences, right? Within days, the county mobilized. And we are cleaning the lots. We brought in uh, trailers from the state of California uh, to set them up so that those people can live in them in their own neighborhoods so that. as uh, as, as they recover, they are with those neighbors that they have been for all that time. Uh, so th- these trailers would be a temporary uh, stop. What's you know what would be the next goal like that? Uh, we are working and finding them some type of a program where we can work with nonprofits um, to actually do perhaps prefabricated homes that they can buy and can be financed for no down. Uh, over 20, 30 years to replace their dwelling that they have lost, right? Those are the kinds of services that people don't see. One of the things that I have found that the county is not very good at is ringing the bell every time they're doing good. Every person that I see that works for the county, whether they're at social service, public health, behavioral health, uh, environmental health, planning department, all the roads that are paved, Everybody just kind of puts their head down and they're working, they're working, they're working, they're working. We do a very poor job at letting people, you know, know everything that we do. Um, but you would be amazed, uh, you know, what the 28 departments that the county has uh, uh, do for the community uh, as a whole.
0: Um, something that's, that's, you know, also happening right now in the valley and, and, and a lot, not only in the valley, but a lot of, you know, cities and, and states and, and across the country is, um, you know, the rent moratorium, um, helping with people with rent. How are, you, how is the county involved in, in, so the
1: county, the county has issued a uh, moratorium for, uh, in, in Imperial County, and it's been in place for a while now. But that only applies for residences or dwellings in, in county areas, right? Uh, to give an example, that would be Heber, Ocotillo, Sealy, uh, you know, Nyland, uh, Palo Verde, places like that where there are townships. Uh, but then each city has to apply uh, their own. There is one in place also by the state of California, and you know it is is—it um, is a very good idea to have a moratorium out there. But you also have to understand that whoever owns that home, whoever owns that property, whoever owns that apartment, either they bought it and that's where their income is coming from, or that's where they're making their payments from. Um, and a moratorium is also not rent forgiven. And and I am very, very concerned uh, with some people who uh, are not making some kind of payment uh, towards their rent because sooner or later, this moratorium is going to go away, right? And they're going to have to pay rent for that month when the moratorium goes away. And they're going to have to start... Uh, making up what they are in the arrears. And how do we handle that? I can keep issuing another moratorium for another three months and for another three months, but someday there's going to have to be that catch-up. And there's people that are already talking about rent forgiveness, uh, but how do you tell the person that owns a property where they've been living that they have to forgive somebody's rent? Uh, whether it's six months, 12 months, whatever it is. So that's a very difficult, touchy subject. We've done as much as we can from the county. Now, if the court chooses, uh, and so there is a, uh, and I don't know what the proper name of it is. I don't recall that right now, but there is guidance, let's call it from the judicial system to the local courts to not process those. Uh, and today I found from the local newspaper that some of those have been processed. Uh, but I suspect that those may have been processed from cities and eviction notice from uh, cities that don't have that, uh, but not necessarily from the County, although I'm not familiar with the case. Cause I
0: don't think any, any city in the Imperial Valley has uh, uh, put out another rent, um, renter's moratorium, you know, they're not extending it yet. Nobody's extended it yet, right? Right.
1: And I think part of it is because their constituents or people who uh, elected them are saying, look, I need to make a payment on the property or I spent 20 years paying for that property and now that I'm retired, that's my income and you're telling me it's not. And that's unfortunately pitting two sides against each other in a very unfortunate circumstance that is being caused by the pandemic, and I know what the nice thing to do is, um, and that's tell everybody, don't pay your bills, don't you know, don't do anything. But in reality, can we do that?
0: And there's nothing has been put out for landowners or you know these people that are renting these properties. There's no help for them or.
1: No, there's no help for them. So then, the next thing would be, uh, and and so if you follow the path, then it would it would be us telling the mortgage companies or the finance companies or the banks don't charge them for their loans. So where you know where, where does it stop? Um, and so that's a very difficult one. We we at the county are doing as much as we can uh, with the moratorium and with trying to provide housing uh, for those that don't have housing. As a matter of fact, right now at, at uh, IBC and uh, we have some additional trailers that we have secured, which are for strictly homeless people, uh, or for those homeless residents that, you know, want to come out uh, of the hot weather and have a place to be. Uh, how long will we be able to support those for them? I don't know. Uh, but we, you know, we have hundreds of hotel rooms that the county uh, rents, uh, through different programs that we bring through the state and through the federal government that are either managed through social services, uh, right now, some because of COVID, where we do provide homes, uh, for those, uh, uh for those that are homeless. But we need something different other than just providing them a home, other than just providing a subsidy we need to find a way to train them to have those jobs to be self sufficient covid makes it very difficult right now right that's a different but the same conversation without covid is the same conversation of how do you get these people out of there uh, whether you're having it without covid or today with covid
0: um something that we talked about the other day when we when we were talking Hey, guys, sorry for the interruption, but it's time to pay some bills. So here's a word from one of our sponsors. All right, so now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. And the phone was um, elections. We have, right. we have elections coming up in, in November. We do. Um, do you know the the number of registered voters in the, in the Imperial County?
1: So the number of registered voters in Imperial County is always fluctuating, right? It's up and down a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to say that right now is right at around 80,000 people, uh, those people who are registered. Uh, now there are some, uh, people that need to re-register because the way it works is if you move address, you have to re-register. If you, uh, were married and have changed your last name you have to re-register, you have to update. If you separated or divorced and have changed your name, um, you have to re-register. So, uh, you know, for those who think that are registered, um, they can verify, they can either go through the to the state of California, the elections department, and um, they type it, you know, type it in and you can check your credentials and it gives you the information or you can check. So, so with the, uh, uh, with the county elections office, they can verify the information for you. And they can actually change you some, uh, send you some information. Uh, or you can go to the uh, county website. The county website is elections.imperial.county.org. Uh, and, uh, or I'm sorry, it's elections.imperialcounty.org. No dot in the middle.
0: Have uh, you guys received any guidance as to what's going to happen you know from i know it's everything can change from a week to you know a day but have you guys received any guidance as how you know we're going to handle this election
1: right so the state of california has uh, issued a a guidance where everybody's going to get a mail-in ballot everybody uh 100 percent of those registered people that does not mean that um uh, You know, you can't go to a precinct and drop it off. Right now, about 63% or so of our registered voters already receive a vote-by-mail type process, right? And so we're really talking about that 37 40% that don't receive a a, a ballot and either don't go vote or are used to walking uh, up to a precinct. And so um, you will be able to walk into a precinct if you want, although you are going to get a, a, a ballot um, in the mail. Uh, if you lose your ballot, if you misplace it, or if you just want to do it there, there will be uh, a, an availability for you to walk in. This is where me kind of started looking into the uh, crystal ball, um, can see the benefit of as many people as they can as we can voting by mail and voting early and where i see the value is this in those polling places we will probably still be practicing social distancing so if before uh, people have gone to vote before they go to work so that they can get in to work by eight o'clock and there was 10 people in line more than they thought before. And they thought, oh, I'm not gonna get to work in time. Now imagine where only so many people are gonna be able to walk into the precinct uh, so that they can practice the social distancing and people are gonna be standing in line six feet apart. And so I think that for those that wanna take this opportunity to vote by mail, it's gonna offer them a great opportunity to do so. Uh, my understanding is that when the state of California said we will, you know, do uh, we will send out the vote by mail ballots. The state also made the decision that they would be postage prepaid. And so you don't even have to, uh, you know, do anything other than vote, sign it, put it in the envelope and drop it in a mailbox. And, and, and out it goes um, there. Uh, you know, there will be some precincts uh i suspect that there will be a lesser amount of precincts than uh, than normal also because of covid um
0: yeah because and- a lot of the people that help out during these uh, um uh for the polling booths are older people that are retired or you know have time to help out so i'm assuming that there's going to be less people volunteering to to have uh pol- polling places open
1: yeah so, based on your observation of some of those uh, volunteering of us out there, our older people, you know, that may put us in an at-risk category. And uh, you're right; some people may choose to not be uh, in 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 public. Now, by the same token, I will ha- I will take that uh, you know this opportunity for uh, for those that do not uh, consider themselves at risk. Uh, some of the our younger crowds. Um, that this is an opportunity to get started and get engaged in the process, right? And so precincts normally need three, four people to work them. Um, it is a, uh, a paid, uh, job to do that for that day. Uh, depending on the position that you're doing, I think it pays between a hundred and a hundred and a hundred and ten dollars, uh, for the day. Um, uh, and there is some training that you have to go to, but I think you get paid uh, like fifteen dollars or ten dollars to go to the training. Um, and so here's an opportunity to do so, uh, to see how the voting is done, how people are checked and double checked, uh, and 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 to actually learn about the process. There is also opportunities inside the elections department for. Uh, you know, gathering and tallying and look at all those mailing ballots that they're going to have to, to handle. Uh, for those that are listening to the podcast, I am fairly sure that the elections department number is uh, 442-265-1060. Uh, if you needed more information, and I'm sure they also have the uh, information in the elections.imperialcounty.org uh, page as well. But this is a good opportunity to get involved. Uh, You know, I have so many people that get involved by commenting on what they think that I did wrong. But seldom uh, do they say, but you could have done this, or they ask, how did you do that? Um, I have people who uh, often uh, make comments about the elections department that this is not coming up quick enough. I need this faster uh you know we we are used to uh our social media and we want a quick tweet here what you know twitter what what was it what what did we know give me a give me a dashboard i don't want the details elections are not like that because the system is so much trying to ensure the accuracy of everything that is done that every every voter uh is counted uh and only counted once right and so there is such a checks and balance that makes the process delayed. There's also some things that the state of California has done before if you were gonna vote by mail, if your ballot did not arrive to the vote, to the elections department by that day of the election, your vote did not count. So uh, some people say, yep, that's the way it should be. And then there's people that say, wait, that's unfair. And so taking that into consideration, the state said, well, as long as it's postmarked by that date and um, it's there within like three days after, uh, we'll go ahead and count it. So guess what? Trying to be more inclusive. Now you don't have a large number of ballots available to you until three days after the election was closed. When people are saying, hey, the polls closed at 8 o'clock, it's 8.30, why don't we know who won? Um, But when you volunteer to work in the system, it gives you that aha, your eyes just open up, right? Um, And so it's a great opportunity for your listeners uh, to get involved, learn, it's one day, um, you know, that, that, that you get to work at plus, plus the training. Um, and it's a great learning opportunity. It also gives people an opportunity to perhaps suggest improvements that are within the voting code, but say, Hey, have you ever thought of doing it this way or doing it that way? Um, that can come, uh, can, can come to do a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of good, you know, a lot of improvement.
0: Um, speaking of you know vote, voters and, and county votes, how many of those registered voters are actually voting? Is it?
1: Yeah, so in the last election, about 63% of the people voted. Uh, well, no, I take I take that back. It was not a presidential. You know what? I, I don't remember that number, but I can tell you that there's a big difference uh, in, in how people show to the polls, right? if it's a presidential election or not. Now here, California, and I think most of the country probably as well, has been changing to where before there used to be an election almost every year, whether it was for a utility district, a sewer district, the school district was doing a school board. Um, And so it was very costly because those districts have to pay for the election costs and the counting and everything. Printing and mailing out and all that, um, and so the 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 state of California quite a few years back said, all right, let's everybody start getting on even cycles, right? Even cycles. So on even years, you either are doing one or are doing the other. And so what that has done is it has brought more people uh, to to vote uh, because now they may have more things that are more interesting in their community. Uh, nothing brings out, however, the uh, voting, like uh, like the uh, presidential, and, and yeah.
0: And so, so yeah, we, we should expect a bigger number in, in November.
1: And unfortunately, as I'm speaking to you, I don't you know have uh, connectivity to the outside on purpose. Uh, or I could be texting saying, hey, what are these numbers? But I'm not like the younger generation that I can multitask that way. So I just kind of put them off to a side.
0: Um, we have, well, here in Calexico, at least, I think we have like four spots open. Um, do you encourage people to, you know, run? Because I know, I think next week is uh, the deadline to...
1: The 7th is the last day to to file. Um, I do recommend that if you're interested in, 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 in filing, you call the elections department and make an appointment to go get the paperwork, right? Because if you think you can go pick up the paperwork on the 7th, fill it in and walk out, it's not going to happen because you actually need some signatures from members of the community, uh, registered voters in the community that you are seeking to represent uh, to endorse you. Um, but right now, because the uh, the uh, county building, administration building is closed because of COVID, we'll let you in by appointment. No question there. But you got to call and make an appointment. And I think earlier I said 442-265-1060 would be the elections department. You make an appointment, you go in, you get the paperwork, um, and you file. It's very, very simple. Um, but what does it take uh, to if you get elected? Right? it takes uh, wanting to learn the subject that, that you're going to be working on, right? It's not a matter of opinion. It's not... Uh, the way I express it to a lot of people is it's not trying to be like an umpire at a baseball game, right? We are all used to the moment the ball hits the glove, the umpire says, blank, right? A lot of us elected officials often try to handle our office in that way, where it is very quick It is very easy to render an opinion. The hard part is to actually make an informed decision and learn about what you are trying to do or what you are being asked to do. And it's a great learning opportunity for you as a person. It is an enriching opportunity for you as a person. And it is one of the big personal growth opportunities because you get to learn um, about other points of view. Who are the proponents and who are the opponents? And I I go talk to the opponents of things that are telling me, you shouldn't pass this, you shouldn't pass this, you shouldn't pass this. And I go and I ask them, I'm not asking you to convince me to pass it or to not pass it. I'm asking you to share with me your point of view. What is it that you are looking at that I am not looking at? And I do it for both sides. Uh, Right now as an elected supervisor, uh, my average agenda, my average read, uh, I'm going to guess that it's upward of 500 pages every week. Okay. And I am not going to tell you that I read everything uh, because at the beginning I used to, right? But I t- it took me a-, a little while to figure out that, for example, some of the contracts that the county does for land lease or services, it's a temple, right? And um, at first I didn't know that. So I'd be reading 120 pages of the same contract, and then I would get to the Appendix A and B, where it said, therefore you shall do this and this and this and this, right? And so I learned a lot about the contracts by reading those, but then soon I learned that, okay, what is the service that's being offered? What are the terms? What are the limitations? What's going on? And so by doing that, I began to read, you know, to cut back 90 pages of my read. It is a fulfilling opportunity if you go on a learning experience. If you try to become an umpire or if you try to say or run it from the, I feel that because of this and this and this, um, I don't think people are voting for us uh, to feel. People are voting for us to make that informed decision even when it is a hard one. Um, and when you make hard decisions, but you know that based on the information you have, you make the right decision, it it helps you grow. It helps create a better community. And so that's an opportunity for everybody out there. Now, if you think elected office is not for you yet, you know, I started on a planning commission board, reviewing maps and drawings and plans and sewer plants, and roofing plants, and paving plants, that teaches you to look into those details. If somebody doesn't think that you know that that elected office is for them, and, and 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 if not yet, you can start by helping your community by serving on boards, on commissions. You can do it for your school. You can do it for your elementary school district, your high school school district. Or do what I do. Become a Rotarian, right? Uh, join a Boys and Girls Club. Join Boy Scouts. Start making that difference in your community that actually takes the time to make the change instead of taking the time to complain about whatever, whatever it is. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to run for elected office because I thought with what it, with what I can help with in volunteering by being appointed or, or volunteering for boards, I have already learned enough and I've already reached that plateau where I think that now the way I can make the difference for these 200,000 people is to be elected, right? And so um, we all have to start somewhere. Uh, if any of your listeners have questions about How do you serve this how do you serve that i meet with people all the time to answer those kinds of questions today is more in zoom Um, before it used to be like starbucks Uh, i really am not a big proponent of meeting people in my county office um even before we had COVID, because i think it's a very formal setting people can't speak comfortably i'd rather come to your business i'd rather meet with you at starbucks uh, you know, or a jack in the box or wherever you feel more comfortable and answer those questions of what I have seen, um, in, in the community, right? And there's a great opportunity. There's, there's need for leaders out there, but these are leaders that want to lead, want to learn, want to do the research and they want to move their communities forward as, as, as a whole. Um, There is a lot of need and there is a lot of opportunity out there for help.
0: Um, As somebody put this um, a little bit, they made this saying a little bit famous in the Valley. You know, you're almost done with your first rodeo, um, you know, meaning your first term, right? Do you feel that as an elected official, um, you know, you're held at a higher standard than a normal citizen?
1: I think I am and I think I should. Okay? there is no question about that. Uh, and perhaps that to me comes from my days in law enforcement. When I wore a uniform, when people knew that I was the peacekeeper, the protector, the policymaker, the enforcer, I have to show it by example. Right. I could not be a police officer uh, out there getting people for being intoxicated in public or driving under the influence and then hitting the bars in, in uniform after. It just not that's not the case it is it is the same way when you're an elected official right you are an example to the community i by my behavior um so there you know there's also the saying about uh, what is reputation and what is uh character right and reputation is that what you do when you know people are watching but character is that when you what you do when nobody is watching or when you don't care who's watching because that is your character, and I think that's what we need in our elected officials. Uh, you know, we need people who. Well, we all make mistakes. Yes, last year I got a speeding ticket. You know, like I was going uh, a few miles more than I should. We're, we're 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 human, right? But there's a different level of of, of accountability. That we should be held to. Where we have a different, uh, a, a, a difficult problem with accountability is we, when people criticize us, and and it's 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 something that has a foundation. Um, you take it to heart, right, and you try to do better. But when somebody's criticizing you with half truths or unfunded truths or things that are, uh, not true. And even if it's not purposely, even if, if they were just misinformed, right? Um, it's very difficult for you to defend yourself in public because what you can do is you can download on them, but then what happens if they come back? You know, do you download again on them? And so. Uh, often you have to just, you know, take criticism for what it is and know that in your heart you made the right decision with the data that you have um, and the information that you have. Great thing about information when you're an elected official is that you have an army of experts at your disposal that you can call and ask, what is this about? Right. And that's when you don't behave like the umpire. That's when you behave like I am researching the thing that I'm being asked for. So whether it's roads, houses, or anything like that, you have a planning department. Um, whether it is health, uh, you know, we have our hospital officials. We have our public health officials. Um, whatever I am being asked, I can actually tap an expert on the shoulder days before and say, teach me about this. Teach me about that. The same questions that sometimes the members of the community ask me, I ask of them, why is this like this? And why is this like that? And I don't settle for that's the way we've always done it or because that's the way it is. I say why and why and why. And so uh, it is a great opportunity for those young leaders coming forward that want to lead. Um to keep the whole community. So if you're running for Calexico, uh, if you're thinking of running for Calexico and Jose, I'm hoping that this will be the show where you announce that (laughs) uh, you're throwing your, your baseball cap in the, in the ring and and I'll applaud you. Uh, But you know, know that you will be thinking and you will be acting uh, for those 25, 30, uh, 35,000 residents of Calexico. And those 25,000 people right now that cross the border every day, under non-COVID, it's 50,000 people. Right? How are you going to try to make everybody better? It's not just your block. It's not just your neighborhood. Um, how are you going to help your community? And um, a, a lot like like a father in a family. How do I help my entire family? Not just this kid or that kid or this nephew or that nephew. How do we bring everybody along? It's a great opportunity. It's great. It's great work. It's very fulfilling work. Very tiring, uh, emotionally and physically. It's draining. Um, you know, to me, I have a great support system in my wife, uh, and my children, and and my relatives. In that, they are like my touchstone, right? I I go and and I go home and um, I feel recharged and re-energized and and you keep on going and and doing this. Um, And so uh, a support structure at home uh, is also very important when you're considering running for public office.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I I don't feel I'm ready. Um, I feel that my family still needs me. Um, In terms of, you know, my my wife works, my son needs uh, help with homework or practice and, um he's still young um hopefully when he's 15 which is the next turnaround um i'll be ready or i'll still have that mindset of wanting to run um but yeah like right now yeah it's i think my son's holding me back a lot in that sense that i feel that um i still need uh, he needs me still so that i i don't i don't feel i'm i'm ready to announce in this episode but but yeah maybe maybe soon um um yeah i've been thinking a lot lot about it uh, lately um but yeah not 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 right now
1: <laughs> yep. there's the right time and the right place for everybody uh, like i told you i kind of put my elected um desires or thoughts aside until my kids went through elementary and junior high and high school um, and then the time presented itself my baby turns 24 tomorrow so obviously I am done with those high school sports and cheerleading and football and uh, swimming and all that to now where I have that, you know, that extra um, opportunity to dedicate more, more to the community. And so, you know, I continue to do so. So right now, you know, help with your uh, child sports league or, uh, you know, Elsa, I'm sorry, Colexico has some great organizations. They have a border runners club, Uh, you know, they have a active rotary club. Uh, I I've been a member of the El Centro one for many, many, many years, uh, have served on their board for many years, find ways to make your community better a little at a time. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what you can do. And then when you can take the bigger bite, you take the bigger bite.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we're over an hour now. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, we've we got a little bit of good news in the sense that, you know, our numbers are going down a little bit. Um, you know, I think the Central Regional Medical Center, you know, notified us that, you know, they're a little bit less crowded over there. But, um, do you have a message for the community? Like, is it time to let off a little bit or do we still need to, you know, keep taking these precautions that we're taking? And, you know, what's, what's the message for, from, from you and the county?
1: we definitely need to continue to take the precautions uh, that we do. The distancing, the covering, the washing the hands, the not gathering, the protecting our elderly. You know, we have to protect the nanas and the tatas. We got to take care of our abuelitos. Um, we got to take care of our parents at home. We got to take care of our children. Um, in a football game, very often we see somebody running into the end zone, and nobody's chasing them anymore or not as close as they were, and they start slowing down and they start doing the dance as they're coming to the end zone, and something very ugly happens, right? They drop the ball. They trip. Something goes wrong. The difference there is that they might get an L instead of a W for the game. Here, we're playing with people's lives. And so let's not be that community that ends up in the blooper reel that you were doing so good, you were moving ahead, and all of a sudden you decided to do the touchdown dance too early, and here you go. I know that temptation is out there. You know, all of us have learned to spend more time with our families, and that's one of the great things about COVID, that there's – in my neighborhood, even with this heat, I smell the backyard barbecuers go, right? I hear the kids in the back playing. I hear the parents work working out talking to the kids. There's a lot of value to that because we 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 were missing some of that, right? Continue to enjoy that. Continue to enjoy your family. Continue to find ways to socially distance while staying at home. I know that, um, I was at Lowe's a week ago and they were telling me that they could not keep enough paint on their shelves because people are painting homes. They're remodeling bathrooms. Here's an opportunity to do those projects that you wanted to do while socially distancing and staying healthy. Let's not be that guy on the blooper reel that almost had it and they lost it for us. It's not an L or a W to us. It could be a life changing or life losing event. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, we, you talk about, you know, people being able to stay at home and remodel and all this, these things, but, you know, we, we do have a a big population that aren't as lucky as some people that can have those luxuries. You know, there's people that really need to go to work and, and, go out there and i mean if if i have if i can offer a message to the people that do have the luxury of seeing home is you know if you go to a supermarket if you go to a hardware store you know be kind to those people that are you know servicing us because that's what they have to do you know sometimes you know you see videos on 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 the internet where people are being rude because they're asked to socially distance or wear a mask you know these people are putting, you know, themselves in risk just to be able to, for us to be able to go to a supermarket or a hardware store. So, I mean, if, if I offer, like I said, offer words of, uh, of advice is, you know, be kind to these people because they're only doing their job.
1: Be very kind for everybody from the person who picks up your trash to the person that rings you up at the store to, you know, everybody out there and help protect them. Right? So good, good call on that one.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, like I said, we're over an hour. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that I didn't ask you that you want to um, point out or, or mention?
1: Uh, no, other than I'd like to thank you and, and, and your listeners for, uh, you know, inviting me on. Uh, happy to do this, uh, you know, whenever uh, you want to. Um, my, I can share my information with you after the show, and I don't know if you put it on as a tag or how you do it. If people have questions, or they can go to the imperialcounty.org uh, website, and my phone number is there, my email is there. It's the same for all the supervisors. They can call. Um, my cell phone is there as well, but here's the catch with my cell phone. If you call me for the first time and I don't recognize the caller ID, I'm going to think that you're a telemarketer. If you leave me a message and say, Hey, this is Joe. This is Mary. Call me because I want to talk to you about this. I will call you back. Okay. If you don't leave me a message, I don't, I don't call you back. I don't call and ask people, did you call me? But then once after the first call, I get your name in my phone and stuff. And then you're on caller ID. And then, you know, but I would be happy to answer any questions that anybody has. Uh, Uh, offer any help that I can, and if you do want to know why some of the decisions that have been made were made, uh, I would be happy to give you and share with you the information that I can share uh, on how the decisions were made, right? Um, There are some things that get, and and these are covered by law under closed session, employee personnel issues and stuff like that, which you cannot share. Um, But... Uh, but there are, some, there, by, by and large, you can. And I'd be happy to, to, to help you along, inform you as to why I made the decision. And if you're interested in running, whether it's this term or next term, I'd be happy to work with you and give you information on, on how the, uh, the path and the way has been.
0: Okay. Um, well, Mr. Blancada, thank you f- so much for your time. Um, I know you were super busy. You know, we've been trying to schedule this for a while and, and either you or me were kind of busy. But um yeah, I want to thank you again for the time. Um, I'm gonna put the information you you give me on the description of of this episode, whether it's on YouTube or or wherever platform platform you listen to the uh, episode. Um, but yeah, um, don't hang up. Um, but yeah, I want to thank everybody for listening or watching, and um, stay safe, wash your hands, waste your uh, wear your your face covering, and um, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.